Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, the Lord of the Sabbath. Pastor Tim states, questions concerning Sabbath worship versus Sunday worship are typically questions about the authority of Jesus. Those are the cases we find opening Luke chapter 6. Listen to how Jesus answers such questions. Here's Pastor Tim. All right. I told you there are two case studies, right? So that's the first one. The second one occurs on another Sabbath. It's not the same one. It's a different one that's coming. But case number two, what you're going to see, there's a little bit of a change that's going. There's a little bit of a change in the, uh, in, in the way that the Pharisees approach it. There's a little bit of a change in the way Jesus approaches it. Let's look at it. Let, let, let me kind of do the same thing. Let me give you a long sentence and just kind of divide it up for you again, okay? So here we go. For case number two. I'd say this, the Pharisees sought an accusation against Jesus, not against the disciples, but against Jesus. Look, if you will, in verse number six, it says, now it happened on another Sabbath also that Jesus entered the synagogue and he taught. So they're not out in the grain fields anymore. I mean, Jesus is in the synagogue and he's come there to do what he does best That's to teach and to preach the coming of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees are there. They're there doing what they do best, you know, (laughs) looking for somebody to mess up. That's what they're there for. And there are a lot of other people there as well. The disciples are there. The other worshipers there. All this is happening publicly on what we would call church day, so to speak. All right? So Jesus enters the synagogue and he teaches. Look at this. It says, a man was there whose right hand was withered. So they're seeking this accusation against Jesus, but they're doing so, I would say, in a couple of ways. One, they're trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to trick him. You know, it just said, you know, just kind of mentions here at the end of verse number six, there was a man there whose right hand was withered. Well, this story is told both in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, and obviously also here in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew's account suggests that this man was planted there. In other words, they found this guy with this withered up right hand and brought him and sit him in that synagogue somewhere where he's in Jesus' eye path, where Jesus can see him for sure and know. So that when, uh, you know, when they're singing songs or when Jesus asks a question and says, how many can testify? And he sees this guy raise his hand like this, you know, he knows there, there's, a, there's a problem. They want to make sure that everybody in that whole place knows that this guy's there. You know, here's, here's one of the interesting things. On his own, this man probably would not have come to the synagogue. Pharisees never would have welcomed him. In fact, they probably would not have let him come to the front for sure. He, was, he would be one who would have to sneak in the back if he's able to get in. And you're going to notice from this point, he's, not only is he maybe not there of his own volition, he doesn't even ask to be healed. There's, none of this is his idea. He's an object. He's somebody that the Pharisees are trying to use to trick Jesus, 
Man, they do it so often. They go back to this again and again and again trying to trick him. But they also are trying something else. Not only are they trying to trick him, they're really trying to trap him, aren't they? Let's keep reading that verse. Look, if you will, at verse number 7. The scribes and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Man, they've planted this guy, and they're waiting, they're watching. They want to see what in the world is Jesus going to do with this guy who's there. And it says, this is what they're looking for, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, and don't miss this phrase, that they might find an accusation against him. They're trying to trap him. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? What's he going to do that we can use against him and show and prove he's not the Messiah? I mean, this guy coming claiming to be the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath also. Yeah, we're going to show him. We're going to show him. We're going to show his disciples. We're going to show everybody in the synagogue that day that this guy is a fake and a phony. We're going to plant this guy with a withered hand, and let's just see what he does on that day. Man, they're sitting on the edge of their seat, watching and waiting just to see what's going to happen. Can they really trick him? Can they really trap him? The answer, by the way, is no. All right, so let me finish that, uh, let me finish that long sentence for you. All right? So if in case number two, the Pharisees sought an accusation against Jesus, but Jesus proved his authority to the Pharisees. See, earlier in this, uh, I said, you know, the issue really wasn't what they did, it was when they did it. In that first case study, the, everything seemed to center more or less on the fact just that it was the Sabbath. Now, they're using the Sabbath as, as, a, as a scene, as a scenario. The issue is not the Sabbath here, is it? The issue is the authority of God. The issue today for you is not that this is the Lord's day. The, the issue today is not worship it's not whatever kind of songs. It's not, it's not Sean not being here. It's not any, those are not the issues. The issue is the authority of God that Christ embodies. When he says, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth, is that true or is that not? And it's you. You, as you answer that. You know, sometimes we'll say there's no right or wrong answer. There's a right and wrong answer. He has authority over everything. He has authority over you. The question then comes, will you submit or surrender to that authority? Pharisees are not willing to do that. And that's what you see in this passage. So they want to trick him. They want to trap him. But Jesus is going to prove his authority. And he does it in two ways. First of all, he uses this theological debate. Remember that uh, statement I used for you just a little bit ago? Kelly Williams told me about the prima facie argument. This is the, this is the debating argument that is the drop the mic uh, moment for Jesus. Look, if you will, in verse number 8. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew, didn't he? He could see this a mile away. He knows that they're trying to set him up. He knows what they're thinking. He knows their thoughts, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise, 
and stand here, and he arose and stood. Makes you wonder a little bit what that man thought. Cody, what you think that man thought? <laughs> when suddenly the preacher made him come and stand up next to him. I remember Tim Williams calling Cody out, making him come up there and stand. You know, I mean, this guy just comes and stands. That's his whole, that's his whole deal. He's, he's not been told why he's coming. He's not asked to come. He's not asked for any of those things. He's just standing there with everybody looking at him. The people in the congregation might be looking at him. Some people in the congregation are probably looking at that hand and wondering why it's so messed up. Little boys, little girls snickering about it, you know, laughing about it, about his little hand being all tore up up there, you know. Other people maybe in the congregation who know him, having sympathy for him. Some of them that are a little bit more a little bit more bashful, a little bit more introverted like me, you know, start feeling sorry for him for making him come up there and stand up in front of everybody, you know, but there he stands. Pharisees aren't watching him. He, he doesn't matter. You see, people who are so tied to the law legalistically, those who think that they want to please God by what they do and what they don't do, are far more worried about themselves than they really are other people whom they use. If you see that person, withered hand, withered leg, withered body, not of much use to you, maybe not of much use to society whatsoever, Suddenly we stop seeing them as people, don't we? We see them as props. We see them as object lessons. We see them as people that we can use. And that's how the Pharisees look at this man. Not as a man at all, but as simply a prop that they can use for their trick. It's not where Jesus is. So here's his theological debate. All right? Pick up with me there in verse number 9. Then Jesus said to them, so he gets this guy to come, stand up there with him. I mean, it's almost like he's never, he never even looks at the man, is he? The man's standing there, but Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? <laughs> what, are, what are they going to say? You know, what, what, what else, what is there to say? There's nothing for them to say. You know, this is why I think God has such a great sense of humor. You know, they tried to trap Jesus and trick him into saying something he shouldn't say, and now Jesus has turned it all the way around and trapped them so that they can't say anything. You know, there's nothing that they can say. Now, we'll tell you this. On the Sabbath, there is provision for helping somebody even for healing somebody, if you've got the capacity to do that. If it is a life and death situation, and if doing nothing deteriorates that situation even further, in those two cases, then yes, you can run and help. 
So, so the, the, the lesson that Jesus uses in another place is, you know, the ox falls into the ditch on the Sabbath. How many of you don't go get the, get the ox out of the ditch? It's a life and death situation, you know. It, it, not doing anything deteriorates that situation. It's okay, they can go do that. But this is a guy who's standing there. His hand was withered yesterday. His hand's going to be withered tomorrow. He's learned how to cope and to live with that. It is not life and death, and it's not deteriorating. So Jesus can't just wait. I mean, he's, if he's going to do something, he's got to do something, right? So he gives them this theological debate. But then he follows it up with a tangible demonstration that he really does have authority. Notice what it says. And looking around at them all, at them all, who? The Pharisees. He said then to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, now, if he didn't stretch out his hand, if his hand stays withered, he didn't stretch out his hand, Jesus is a fraud, right? Run him out of the synagogue. He didn't have any business being in there. We don't want to listen to him teach. We don't want to follow him, any of those things. So now, man, I mean, when they say that, those, those Pharisees, they are now for sure on the edge of their seat. Their ears are perked. Their eyes are wide open. They are focused. They cannot wait to see what's going to happen. And then this guy stretches out his hand. That's what it says, doesn't it? Stretch out your hand, Jesus said, and he did so. And his hand was restored just as whole as the other. Incredible. Amazing. Listen, it's not just about the Sabbath. It's not even just about what Jesus is able to do. It's about Jesus' authority. It's Jesus' way of saying, I have authority over the Sabbath. I have authority over sickness. I have authority over the saints. I have authority over the sinners. I have authority over all things. All authority under heaven and in earth is given to me. He has authority. Our response then to His authority is really what changes our lives. How do I respond to the authority of Jesus? Do I simply try to hold something over His head? Then He doesn't have all authority. If I'm saying that, that He has to be under in the box of their thinking of the Sabbath, then He's not Lord over all. If I think then that He has to fit in my box, that he has to act and he has to do according to my will. If I have made him into my image, then he lacks all authority. But he doesn't, does he? All authority is his. All power and honor and dominion and majesty belongs to him. And so what is my response well, think about the people that are there that day. I mean, this guy that had a withered hand, and now it's whole, it says it's restored just as much as the other. I can't wait to just go grab the door handle and open the door. If I'm in church, I want to I go shake hands with somebody. If it was a Baptist synagogue, then he gives them the right hand of fellowship. 
right? I mean, the things that we think are so easy and are so normal and things that we don't even think about. This guy's jumping for joy. Jesus has given him ability again. He he has seen firsthand what Messiah can do. Imagine how he goes out that day. Think about the other people that are there in the synagogue. I mean, they've, just, they've just come to worship that day. Not knowing what's going to happen. I mean, Jesus is there. He's the speaker. Okay, you know, I mean, I'll listen to him. If I can listen to Tim, I guess I can listen to Jesus. You know, so, so they listen to him and they hear things and they see things that only God can say. That only God can do. If God can do that for him, imagine what God can do for me. These are people who leave the synagogue that day worshiping, praising God, probably just like the shepherds going out and telling everybody what they had seen and heard that day. What about the disciples? And they're there. You know, at, at some point they may have been thinking, Jesus, if you just, just wait one day. Just, just, just wait. Just heal him tomorrow. Stop poking the bear. You know, we don't, we don't need to start a fight. And yet they see Jesus come through. These miracles that they had already seen before. Changing that water into wine. Seeing and hearing Jesus say that these things are done so that the Son of Man is glorified and so that people have faith. They see it. And their faith explodes. Isn't that how you want to go out today? I mean, after, after reading and, and seeing this passage and seeing what Jesus did, I mean, doesn't that just make your faith explode? If Jesus can do that on a Sabbath day with a guy with a withered hand, man, what is God going to do in my life tomorrow this week? It tells me that He is actively involved in sometimes the smallest of details. Those disciples... When they leave there that day, they know that they leave following the one that they should have been following all along. You know? There's another group there. It's Pharisees. The ones that have been pointed out throughout the whole passage. How'd they leave that day? Tail tucked between their legs? Ashamed? Embarrassed? Apologies to the guy with the withered hand? Apologies to Jesus? Oh, (laughs) no, that's not how they leave. Look at verse 11. They were filled with rage. Can you imagine? Something miraculous just happened in front of their eyes. They were watching. The Bible says they were watching closely. You know? I mean, it's not just like watching some street magician on on the street and he does does some card trick or he does that little Monty game and and suddenly you're just blown away. I don't know how he did that. I mean, they're right there and they see this hand that was withered up and now it's strong and it's active and it's working. They've seen 
the Son of Man. They have seen the Lord of the Sabbath prove His authority. And they are enraged. They are filled with rage. And look at what they're doing. They go out discussing with one another not what wonderful things they have seen that day, but discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Well, that didn't work. What are we going to do next? And they're working on plan B before plan A is hardly over with. Here's a question, though. How are you going to leave today? Faith exploding? Reminded that you're following the right one? How do you leave today? Being reminded what, what Jesus can do? That what he can do for him, he can do for you? Well, no, that one's up to you. How you going to leave today really starts right now, doesn't it? What are you going to do? What do you need to do? There's some folks that are in here that I know that I know that they need to know that they know that they belong to the Lord. They need to give their heart to Jesus. If Jesus can take care of a guy's hand, he can sure take care of your heart. Give your heart to him. Give your life to him today. There's some folks that need to plant their life in this church. This needs to be the base of operation for you. God gives you that direction. Let's take care of that. Maybe there's something else in your life that you say, you know what? I haven't always reacted right to what God's doing or what He's trying to do. You know, I feel more like a Pharisee today than I feel like a disciple. Maybe, maybe you come pray with me. Maybe you just go straight to the altar. Whatever you need to do today, let's leave right. Okay? Let's stand together. As you do, let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus, we want you to be honored above all things. That your name would be exalted. That you yourself would be uplifted. That you would be worshipped. More than just seeing what you can do we get a better glimpse today about who you are. We declare today that you are the Lord. We submit to you. We surrender to you. We pray that your will for our lives would unfold and that we would be willing participants. Father, we ask your blessings today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask our ladies to lead us as we sing. If you need to sing, sing. If you want to come, come. I'll wait for you right here. If you want to come straight to the altar, let's spend some time there. But finish right today. All right? This year at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those who you come in contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West 
Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.